I know what a lot, of, a lot of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, well, Brother Tim's not preaching, so it's going to be about a five-minute sermon. And I know everybody's excited about that, but I just want you to know, I brought my notes for my sermon with me today. <laughs> See, the thing is, my dad's a pastor, so I heard sermons all the time. Not just at church, I heard sermons about why I should be treating my sisters better. I heard sermons about why my grades should be better. I heard sermons about why I should be mowing the lawn more. I heard sermons about everything. So I know how long sermons are supposed to be. And I did a run through this week, and this was only eight hours, so we're good to go. But luckily for you, I did another run through last night, and it's only seven hours. So, but today we're going to be looking at some really fun stuff. Well, everything in the Bible is fun, right? So, Psalms chapter one. Psalm chapter one is where we're going to be looking at today. So, Psalm chapter one. So, here's the thing: we're about to send a lot of these college students off to college, I guess college students off to college, high school students, there we go, off to college, we're going to be sending some to the workforce, we're going to be sending some to the mission field, to many, many different places, and so it always begs the question when it comes to this time of year of, are they prepared to follow Jesus for a lifetime? And the question then goes back to us too is, have we set a good example for them to follow Jesus for a lifetime? Now, what does that even look like to follow Jesus for a lifetime? And I know many of you have probably grown up in church or maybe been around church a long time. You think, well, I've got that figured out, Andrew, because I go to church. I've read my Bible before. I know what it means to follow Jesus for a lifetime. But here's the thing. When we really think about it, what was Jesus doing in the Bible? I mean, do we see the hurts of people around us? Do we see the needs of people around us? Do we see the struggles they're having? Do we see all these places that need the gospel? Do we even see a need for the gospel? Or are we simply satisfied with the things that we're doing in life? You know, and if we do see need, what are we doing with that information? Are we just simply saying, yeah, that's good information to have. I see the need. Or are we actually meeting that need? Like, what are we doing with that information? And not only that, but if all of that is even true, do we see a need for a Savior, or are we satisfied with just living the Christian life? And so today we're going to look at what it means to follow Jesus for a lifetime, at least part of it, because Christian life is something that we're always learning and growing in. And so Psalms chapter 1 is where we're at today. I hope you're there. Um, Just starting here in verse 1. In Psalms chapter 1 it says this, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit and the seed of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. But the wicked are not so. But they are like chafe which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And so, there are two kinds of people that that is being talked about in the Scripture. It's talking about these righteous people uh, and these wicked people. And they're described this way based on how they follow God's Word. Because we can see right there that the righteous person, the person who's blessed, he's following God's Word, he's meditating on it day, day and night. And so, we're going to talk about each of these. So the first one here, 
laptop me out. I'm, it's not moving. Oh, here, there we go. Going your own way. Man, how many times have we done this before or tried to do this on our own? I mean, there's many examples of this. There's a guy named Jonah in the Bible who tried to go his own way. Remember how that ended for him? I tell you, not very well. So, but we try this all the time. And so the people who go their own way, these are what this passage calls the wicked people. And in the original language of this text, this is what wicked means. It means the condemned, the guilty, the ungodly, the wicked. And the Greek translation, this describes them as those who are without worship. Might have to help me here, Mike, because that's not moving for me. So, oh, is it not turned on? How do you turn it on? This side? Oh, I found it. I'm glad you're here, Pastor. Boom, there we go. Man, it's a good thing you're around here. I got all sorts of stuff to say about you now. So I'll change what I was going to say, though. So the wicked, here we go. Man, now we're rolling, right? So the wicked is considered, in the, or in the Greek translation, says those who are without worship. Those without worship. Man, how crazy is that, that the Bible even talks about these people who are without worship as these wicked people. It doesn't say they're bad people. It just says these are the people who don't have worship, who are not worshiping the Father, who are not worshiping Christ. These are... The wicked people is talking about it, and it says not only that, but it says these people are like the chafe in the wind. You know, I don't know if any of you have ever been around the harvest time, you know, when your allergies are really bad. That's usually when they're harvesting. Especially if you, like, go out in western Kansas where basically the whole area is a field, and they harvest it all at the same time. And I'm sure they plot it together, and oh, probably something to do with the rain, I don't know. But they do it all at the same time, and if you're out in Western Kansas during that time, like, you can just think of, like, this cloud of smoke, and you're like, if I walk through that, I will not be able to breathe for seven days. That's the kind of stuff it's talking about. And so, this chafe in the wind, it's like when, you, when they throw up part of these grains and all the stuff that blow out of it, the stuff that's useless, that's what it refers to these wicked people as. So these wicked people are like this stuff that have no benefit and no value. And so, uh, because of their decisions of these wicked people, it says right here that God knows who they are. And it says that because God knows uh, everything about them, he knows the path they take, and it says that God is going to judge them. It says they're going to end up in a very real place called hell. They're going to end up in a place of destruction. And so there's all these different paths that people want to take in life. And I'm sure you're wondering, why does he have a suitcase? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to unpack some things for you. That didn't work. Oh, now I got it. Stay. You didn't see that. So, but think about this. There's a bunch of different paths people take, right? And so, especially, it doesn't matter if you're finishing high school, finishing college, if you're, you know, in the retirement age, whatever. Many people have many different paths they want to take. Some people want to relax a little bit. If you like the Chiefs, you might have your own set of Chiefs slippers. Okay? Somebody just say gross. <laughs> Jaslyn, we're going to have to have a meeting later. You guys want, want to mark your calendar. So, but, yeah, so some people have these things. They just want to relax in life, right? 
Like they want to relax. They were like, I am too young. I'm too old to do whatever it is. I'm too old to, or too young to focus on Jesus right now. I have spent so much time. I've accomplished so much already. I graduated high school. What else do I need? Right? Like people think that. Or they might say, well, I've already put in so much time already. I need time just for me. I need time for me to be able to relax and focus on myself. And then there's other people. And there's like these people who like a little bit of adventure in their life. And so people who like adventure, they're all about getting the next, for lack of a better word, like the next high in their life. You know what I mean? Not like, anyways, I'm not going to... Yep, moving on. Now I have to have a meeting with Brother Tim. All right. So, but people who like to have adventure, like, these are people who like, I need to accomplish my own dreams first. I know that God wants me to do this, or God wants me to do that, or God wants to go to this place and follow his path for my life, but I have my own path to take because I have things in my own life that I need to accomplish first. And then you got these other people. You got people who like sports, or people who like extracurriculars. It doesn't have to be sports. It might be sports. It might be a band, it might be choir, it might be anything that's an extracurricular activity. And so these things, though, uh, they take a lot of time in our life, and they, they cost time, they cost money, and more times than not, these things become our God. Because when we are so focused on these things, and it could be any of these paths that we take, but when we become so focused on these things that they start dictating our schedules more than God does, is become a God. When any of these things start determining what we are going to believe in, determining where we're going to go as a family or what we're going to do as a family, what we will or will not participate in, they become a priority in our lives and is the path we're on rather than the path of Jesus. And then you got another group of people. People who like to go to work. People who are focused on their careers. Whoa, hey. This is going to end badly. There you go. So, but these people who are focused on their careers... And they might think, well, I need to provide for my family or I need to prove myself at work because people don't think I can do it. I've been told this whole time that I can't do things. For example, many of you might not know this, but I have a master's degree. I know it surprised me too. It even surprised my father. <laughs> Literally, I was the week or maybe a couple of days before, I don't know, but the week before I graduated with my master's degree, my dad called me. He says, you know, Andrew, I just want you to know, of all my kids, I thought you'd be the first to drop out of college said, thank you, Father. So when you say some of us have to prove ourselves, I understand that. I get it. My own father thought I'd be the first to drop out of college and, well, showed him. But anyways, he likes to pick on me. And so these people who want to focus on work, they think they have to provide for their family. They have to prove themselves. And once again, though, none of these things are bad in and of themselves. But if this is the path we're focusing on more than the path of Jesus, that's when it becomes a problem. And then you got another group of people. I don't know if you guys have ever seen these before. These are called chakas. They're kind of sandals. But basically, if you go overseas and hang out with missionaries, they love him for whatever reason. But people who are all about service, who are all about serving. Oh, whoops, forgot. The, there you go. Hope you got that one. Moving on. So service, making, about making yourself feel good. And so... Serving is, in and of itself is obviously not a bad thing. Jesus even called us to serve, to help others, to, to meet the needs of others. But it's when service becomes all about us instead of about God, it's when it becomes a problem. 
anything that takes our focus off of, off of Jesus can become a problem and a stumbling block in our own lives. And so these things in and of themselves, none of these things are bad in and of themselves, but all these things are driven by their own passions and their own agenda. And so people who like to relax, they're, they're so focused, like, well, I need to take this path right now because I've put in so much work. Or people like adventure, like, well, I need to take this path right now in my life because I need to accomplish my own goals. Or people who like sports or other extra careers, like, I need to focus on sports and, you know, getting the best trainer I can, going all the practice so I can make sure that, you know, I play. And you might even end up, you know, playing in a professional sporting league one day. But you know what's going to happen after you retire? That person is going to retire, and they're going to sit there and think, what do I do now? Because they have no goal in life. And there's some guys, I know this surprised you, but I like the Kansas City Chiefs. Surprising, I know. And there's a couple guys this week who've been retiring from the Chiefs and come back and signed contracts just for one day so they can retire as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. And some of them seem to have a good head on their shoulders and know where they're going. And there's a couple of these guys, though, that have even said, you know, I'm not quite sure what to do with myself now. Because they've spent so much of their time focused on this one area of their life that they have no goal, no direction in life because all of it was put on this one thing that has now come to an end. And that can be true with any of these. And they got people who are focused on their work and their job, and they become so focused on doing this path because they need to accomplish and prove to other people that they can do it. Or people who are just wanting to make themselves feel good, so they do whatever they can, serve wherever they can, because they want to make sure that they feel good at the end of the day. It's not about Jesus, it's about making themselves feel good. And these are just several paths that we can take, but there are obviously many, many more too. And every path we take leads to a different place. But the truth about all these paths right here is that none of them lead to Jesus. Do we really believe that Jesus is worth following? Like, it's easy for us to say that because we're sitting here in a church and it's like, oh yeah, obviously we need to follow Jesus. But do we really believe that? Do we really believe that Jesus is worth following? Do we, do we believe that he is worth giving up any of these things to follow him? If Jesus were to say, I don't want you to go on any more vacations or trips anymore because I don't need you to focus on me, would you do it? Or if you were to say, I don't want you to ever play a sport again or have your kids play a sport again because it's taken time away from me, would you do it? Or if he were to say, I need you to stop working overtime and weekends because I need you to spend more time focusing on your family and me, would you do it? We say Jesus is important to us, and with our words, it's real easy to say those things, but putting it into action is a completely different ballgame. Do we believe Jesus is worth following for a lifetime or not? It's not about following him for a certain time in our life. Paul wrote many times about following him is like a race, and we run the race to completion with endurance. If following Jesus is a race, it's not just a thing you can do for a short time in your life and take, oh, well, I don't need that anymore. Just like the psalmist wrote here, these people's place is going to end in destruction where they will perish. That's where these paths lead to. And so that's how we go our own way many times. I didn't put this up there, but I said driven, these people are driven by their own passion and agenda. So that's one way to go, going our own way, the path of the wicked, the path of those who are without worship. Or we can go God's way, go with God's path. And so just like here in verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, so on and so forth. We'll get to that later. But how blessed is the man? Blessed here 
literally means to be happy or to be blessed, to be happy or blessed. And so for this person who is happy or blessed, who are, who's walking not in the counsel of the wicked, this is the people whose complete joy is by following God's instruction. Like how many of us really think that we get joy by following instruction? I, my dad can tell you that I do not find joy in following instruction because he can tell you many examples of when I did not follow instruction. You know, and that happened over and over again, and many of us are probably the same way. You know, but think about this. It's like if we're going to follow, you know, God's instruction, uh, we have to do whatever it says, right? I know that's shocking, but it's true. So follow whatever he says. And so these righteous people, though, they're living among people who are wicked people, who are without worship, you know, they still do not allow these wicked people to influence them. Because in every situation, just like it says right here in verse 2, it says, Their delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And so they're not influenced by the wicked because their focus is on Jesus. Their focus is on his word and on his instruction, on his law. And so in every situation, day and night, they are using God's word as their direction and their lens in which to view their circumstances. And so these people who are following God are using all these things and all the things that they've learned in Scripture to determine the decisions they're going to make in life. Like, how many times can we really say that we do? It doesn't matter how big or small it is, because here it says day and night. Every situation that happens in day or night, they're using God's Word. Can we really say that every situation that comes up that we're going to God's Word and looking for it? We're looking for the answer. And if we find the answer, are we actually willing to put it into practice in our own lives? Or are we satisfied with just knowing the right answer? For example, if uh, you have a kid and you tell them to do an instruction, they they said, Dad, I heard you. I know exactly what you mean. I got it down. You're like, well, you didn't do it. He's like, but I heard what you said, and I understand it, and I believe it. Does that kid really believe what his dad says if he doesn't follow through with it? Obviously not. Man, if we're truly going to be following God's word and obeying his, his law, obeying his word, obeying his instruction, it's not enough to just simply know it and read it. It has to be applied. It has to be put into action. And so it gives this example here, though, of this righteous person. It says, They will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. And so if you remember, you know, a lot of this was written right around Israel. And if you've never been to Israel, seen many pictures, Israel is a very dry desert place. And so there's not many trees that grow there. But a place a tree will always grow is right by a river, right by a lake, because there's a constant source, you know, of feeding and a constant source of, of a water supply. And we, and we are like the same way. If we have a constant source of Jesus a constant source of God's word in our lives. It says we will be like this tree firmly planted and a very healthy tree because it says that uh, its leaf does not wither and whatever he does, he prospers. It yields fruit in its season when it's supposed to. And all these things are because the tree is rooted next to God's word. Man, how, how much can we really say that we are rooted in God's word? We say that Jesus is a priority, yet Many of us probably don't even spend time in God's Word every day. 
we might say a prayer before a meal, but it's become more of a habit more than an actual prayer. You know, it's like, oh, Jesus, thank you for this food, amen. There's no real prayer going on. There's no real connection going on. There's no real worship going on in that time. It's just a habit. And so if we're really following after God, if we say that we're sourced and, and supplied by the word of God, you know, we have very little of God's word in our life, though. So if we're going to say that that is the source of everything we do, that that is our priority, that's our focus, that's the path we're on, then we have to be following him. And so there's this one other path here, path that's not up here. It's this path of Jesus. And this path of Jesus is obviously the most important path that anybody can ever take because all these other paths pale in comparison to Jesus. And the path of Jesus might might lead you to some of these same plays that might lead you to a good job, might lead you to be serving people, might lead you to be on a sports team or on an adventure or even to give you a, a time to relax. But the path of Jesus is hard. The path of Jesus is never going to be easy. It's going to be a difficult struggle from day one because as soon as we start following Jesus, man, Satan starts attacking us. And so it comes down to the question, is Jesus worth it? Do you really believe he's worth, not just by word, but by what you do? Do you believe Jesus is really worth it all? And so, all these other paths, while they don't lead to life, only Jesus leads to eternal life. And those who love and worship God must embrace his law and instruction. And so, if we're going to say we follow Jesus, we have to embrace his law and instruction. We have to embrace the Bible for what it says, and not go into the Bible thinking, well, I know what it says, so this is what I'm going to do. Sometimes we start reading God's Word, and we might even see something, and we're like, well, I don't agree with that, but that's probably just because of my translation, rather than thinking of, oh, that's the words of God. We have to go into God's Word without any preconceived idea of what God is, or what God says, or what God wants us to do. We have to go into God's Word with a thought of knowing that whatever God says, we will agree with, because He is the ultimate provider of all things. He is the creator of the sustainer of the universe. He is the Christ who is risen from the dead, who is reigning on a throne. There's no one in history that is worth following more than that Jesus. If there's no one else worth, worth following, then we shouldn't be making excuses for why we can't follow God, why we can't do things God wants us to do, but we should be making excuses for other things for why we can't do those because we're so focused on following the path that Jesus has for us. And so, uh, following Jesus for a lifetime starts with a commitment to him. And there's many people who have started off well and been following Jesus and then have eventually fallen away from him, who've gotten distracted by different things. But even when people fall away from Jesus, it's not just an overnight decision that it happens. It's, it's usually a progression of things. And here in Psalm chapter 1, it gives a, gives a great example of this progression. It says here, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And so to walk in the counsel of the wicked. And so we start off by just simply walking with the wicked. And so we start taking advice from those who are without worship, these wicked people. You know, and it starts by just simply walking through their areas by spending time with them in areas that we know we're going to be tempted. And we start taking the advice of these people who are without worship. We start not only taking the advice, but we start uh, putting it into practice, these things that they start telling us. And we're taking the advice of people who are without worship, who are without God. And we think 
that they're going to help us do some great things. And their advice might even sound really good, but if they are without God, if they are without worship, man, their advice is coming from a place that we don't believe anyways. And so uh, all this stuff starts to affect the way we live because belief always determines behavior and lifestyle. What we believe determines our behavior and lifestyle as well as the people who we get advice from. If we're getting advice from people who are without worship, we're getting advice from people whose belief and lifestyle are influenced by what, by what they already believe in. And so moving away from Jesus always starts with what you believe. When you start moving away from Jesus, start getting distracted by the things of this world, it always starts by attacking with what you believe. And they start attacking with who Jesus is, what you believe, why we'd follow that Jesus, and those kind of things. And so here in the Psalms gives the first step of, of walking in the counsel of the wicked. And then it says, or stand in the path of sinners. And so the next thing is about, not only are we taking the advice of these people who are without worship, but now we're starting to participate in the way of these sinners. Because like it says here, who are standing in the path of sinners. And so we're taking the advice of them. We're starting to participate in these same ways. And not only that, but when we start participating in these ways, it is setting a foundation, a new foundation, and a foundation that is stronger, that is going to be more permanent, and this foundation for what is going to be our new normal, for what our new belief is going to be. Because when we start participating in things that are not according to the Bible, who are not according to Christ, it is setting a foundation for what we are going to be involved with. And so it talks about standing I'm sorry, talked about walking in the counsel of the wicked, standing in the path of sinners, and then sitting in the seat of scoffers. So sitting in the seat of scoffers. And so this word to sit literally means a place of abode. Like how crazy is that? This word literally means a place of abode. So now you're taking up residence in this place. We've moved from following Jesus and the path Jesus has for us to simply taking their advice and now we're participating in their ways, and now we're setting up camp in the same way that they're living their life. How quickly we forget who Jesus is when our focus is not on him. This is why it says here that um, how blessed is the man who doesn't do these things and, and who's like a tree firmly planted because his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in God's word. His delight is in God's instruction. And so when we sit, we start taking up this place of residence. Our hearts become hardened towards God, and we entrench ourselves in the way of those who are without worship. So when we take our seat, to sit is to be done. The decision has been made, and we have started to conform to the sins of the world. And we start to conform to the sins of the world. We become just like it says here, taking the seat of mockers, where we even start to get to the point where we start pushing the envelope as well, and making fun or mocking the people who are following Jesus. And we say, oh, Jesus didn't really mean for you to follow him like that. How quickly we forget and move on from following Jesus. Man, and so the decisions before today, there's all these different paths out there. Whether you're just graduating from high school, whether you're retired, whether you have a young family, whether you're wherever you fall on the spectrum, you have many paths before you to take. You can choose to sit back and relax and focus on yourself because you need time for you. You can choose to focus on the things you want to accomplish instead of Jesus. 
You can choose to focus on extracurricular things that are going to take your time and attention away from God. You can choose to focus on your work and try to prove yourselves to others that you're worth whatever it may be. Or you can even try to convince yourselves that you're good enough because you serve and you make yourself feel good by doing all these great things. But in reality, it's just to make yourself feel good. Or you can choose the path of Jesus. You can choose to follow him for a lifetime as you follow God's word in every direction of your life. And so, what do we do with all this information? So what does all this have to do? First off, everyone has a choice. No one until the time of your death, everyone has a choice. God will accept anyone as long as you're still breathing on this earth to follow him for a lifetime. And so, uh, as we follow his life, sorry, as as we have a choice here, We either listen to the counsel of those who are without worship or we listen to the counsel of God's word. Because everyone has a choice and every choice you make should be viewed through God's word. It doesn't matter if you agree with it or disagree with it. If you read in God's word, it should be taken as truth into your life. So there are many paths we have, but only one leads to Jesus. These paths are set out here before you. Which one will you follow? Will you follow Jesus for a lifetime? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this time you've given us today. God, I pray you'd help us as we seek to follow after you with everything that we have. God, that as we see all these different paths before us, as we see all these different options before us, God, that we wouldn't be tempted to focus solely on these things, but God, that we would desire to follow the path of of righteousness. Jesus, there's so many paths set before us, and while all these paths might not even be sinful things, when they're taken to an extreme where they become our priority and set the direction for our lives, they can be, become our God. And God, I pray that would not be us today. And God, I pray that if there's anyone in this place this morning that has never given their life to truly follow you, God, that today might be that day that they would commit their lives to follow after you wherever you may lead them. And Jesus, there's anyone in this room that maybe they've been distracted by the things of this world. Maybe they're not quite sitting in the seat of scoffers, but maybe they're already standing there and taking their advice, or maybe they're already participating in their ways. God, I pray that you'd help them acknowledge that in their life and that they would turn everything back over to you. Jesus, thank you for this time in your word today. God, I pray it wouldn't just be another time that we just read a bunch of words out of a book, but God, that we would recognize it as, as your holy words. And God, that we would apply these things to our lives each and every day. Jesus, thank you for the love that you show us over and over and over again, even when we don't deserve it. And God, I pray that as we move out of this place this morning, that we would be changed people because we've met with a living God. Jesus, we thank you and love you for all you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. I think what what Andrew has brought to us today is very simply the truth of the Word of God. The Lord himself said in Matthew chapter 6 that there's a broad way that leads to destruction. And many there be that that walk that path. But there's also a narrow road. Few there be that find it. The question is, which road are you on? And which road do you want to be on? If God's calling, we invite you. Join us on that narrow road. It may not be the easiest path you've ever taken. But I promise you this, the company's good. 
and the end of the journey, it's fantastic. So if he's calling, you need to come. You need to respond to his call in your life. I invite you to come. Maybe you just need to talk to him where you are. Whatever it is that you need to do, do it this morning while we sing. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Do it now. If you need to come, come on.